Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. As most of you know, I grew up a city kid. While I was born in Sioux Falls, a portion of my childhood was spent living in Louisville, Kentucky. The fact that I say Louisville right lets you know that. Which was also living in the city before moving back to Sioux Falls. But living in South Dakota, even living in the big city of Sioux Falls, being associated with agricultural concepts and practices is naturally somewhat part of our culture. Our lives are very directly affected by the agricultural economy and life. But something you may not know about me is that when I started college at South Dakota State, I was a landscape architecture major. And an important foundation in that major was horticulture and plant biology. Even though my vocational path has changed significantly from where I started, I gained much knowledge in the basic understandings of, of plant biology. And in my early coursework, we spent much time understanding what makes good soil. The chemical structure, pH, minerals, the microorganisms that, that comprise good soil. To me, trust me, dirt is not just dirt. Good soil is the key to successful farming. There is a reason why good production ground is almost more valuable than gold. To produce a harvest from the soil found in far eastern South Dakota is worth at least a hundredfold of the ground found in northwestern South Dakota. In fact, until recently, you could not even consider planting corn on, in ground found in northwestern South Dakota. You would have been seen as crazy for even trying. But this is no longer the case, as genetically modified plant types now allow for corn to be grown where it once was not even possible. The point I'm driving to is that good soil is a priceless commodity. But it is not the only factor in successful plant production. Anyone that has even planted a garden knows that there is much preparation that must happen before one even thinks of putting seed in the soil. A spot must be chosen and cultivated. Very particular gardens may have soil tests done to know that their soil is good and will produce good results. And from those results, the soil may be prepped with various minerals and fertilizers and the like. Then comes choosing the seed for the plants that we like. Being familiar with planting zones is a very important part of planning a garden as well. Someone living in South Dakota will likely not want to plant a mango tree because it will never survive. Planning ahead is critical. Ask any farmer. But in the modern era of farming, farmers use incredible data and technology to produce the harvest. Farm machinery now is guided by GPS and can plant multiple seed types in a single field based on the soil types found in that field, down to the fraction of an inch in placement. Different seeds are used in sandy soils versus those planted in loamy soils. The fact of the matter is that there are generally considered six good soil types, depending on what you want to plant. But today we encounter this text from Matthew's Gospel, and Jesus is teaching with one of the most well-known of his parables, the sower. This text is well-known, obviously, in the church as well as in secular culture, 
Now, the gospel narrative found in chapter 12, just before our text for today, is really the turning point in Matthew's gospel of Jesus' ministry when the Pharisees and scribes have quit grumbling to themselves and they now start to question Jesus publicly. They start to challenge him about who he is and by what authority he teaches. And we must remember that especially whenever we encounter a lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, it is highly inclined to be a teaching lesson for the Jews. In this lesson, Jesus is not just describing different soil types, but he's describing the geography of the human heart. Each of you has certainly met others or even recognized within yourself these various soil types of the heart. And we are rarely just one type of soil. In fact, we are all four as Jesus describes. These soil types that Jesus describes are the various ways of how we live, how we relate to others, and especially in our relationship with God. Jesus' own interpretation as described at the end of this parable tells not only what happens to each seed, but describes the consequences of each kind of life. And whenever we encounter one of Jesus' parables, we often become self-reflective. And we try to examine what kind of life we are living, and in this case, what kind of soil we are. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it is often this kind of thinking that leads us down the path of abusing the intent of the parable. And that is certainly no different in this case. We live in a world that thrives on competition and comparison and judgment. So we reduce the parable to one simple and obvious question, what kind of soil am I? Doing this puts us at the center of the parable and actually pushes the intent, meaning the sower, and what they're doing out of the picture. This often leads to the idea that we need to make ourselves better in some way to be better soil because, of course, we all want to be good soil. There's even a hymn that we sing, Let My Heart Be Good Soil. When we read Jesus' parables, we usually try to understand them through the lens of our own lives and our own worldview. Often the result is that we hear but we do not understand we see but do not recognize. The sower goes out and sows his seed, casting it around with wild abandon, it seems, with no planning, not even paying attention to where he casts it. The seed falls on well-worn, hard-packed paths and rocky ground and ground that is overrun with weeds. I think that any one of us would say that this sower is a bad farmer or at least very irresponsible. His practice makes no sense to us. Truthfully, he seems reckless, careless, wasteful, or maybe it's extravagance as the sower casts the seed haphazardly. It would appear that the sower has no clue what they're doing. Well, a challenge to our own worldview is that the type of sowing that Jesus describes was a very common practice in his time. 
First century farmers would generally cast their seeds abundantly anywhere that they could, and they would cultivate them in using a ground-scratching method. And with this approach, an approach that we would see as crazy, this was completely normal in Jesus' time. But Jesus was not, in that moment, trying to teach better farming practices. He was addressing the many issues that the people's understanding had of what God had empowered his son to do. That he had sent them, him into the world to bring the kingdom of God into the world in a way that he thought they would understand. But of course they didn't. Jesus had been traveling around teaching and preaching the good news of God's kingdom come into the world and they did not understand. In each of his parables, this is what Jesus is teaching. That the kingdom has broken into the world and that God's work is happening around us at all times, even without our recognizing it. In the gospel narrative, Jesus had faced opposition and his message seemed to be falling on rocky ground. And furthermore, the Pharisees and the scribes had been trying to choke out Jesus' message for some time. And in the passages that follow today's gospel text, Jesus' message falls on the hard ground of his own hometown folks. And they will not only reject him, but they will want to stone him. The parable of the sower, as well known as it is, is meant to challenge our perspective and our worldview. Our worldview has a lot that defines what we see and what we think we know. I told you earlier that I spent part of my life in Louisville, Kentucky as a young child. And at that time in 1975, Jefferson County, Kentucky was still separated black and white in schools. I don't remember specifically it affecting me, but I do remember affecting, it affecting kids around me. As some were bused to schools far away and some got to go to schools closer simply based on skin color. This is what partly informs my worldview. In these teachings, Jesus gives us a glimpse of God's work in the world and challenges our worldview because it tells us who God is. Not who we think he is, but it tells us who he really is. These teaching opens our ears so that we might hear anew and see anew as if we have never heard it before. The parables were not meant to test human intelligence and knowledge and they are not meant to be great motivational speeches but they are a means by which God's grace is made known. And they act as witnesses to his reckless generosity. This reckless generosity is exactly what this text reveals. As different as the soils are that are described, so are the hearts of all people. God sows his mercy and his promises on all of the soil types, with equal toil, with equal hope, and above all, with equal generosity. 
On God's farm, there is no soil type that is left out. He does not go searching only for the good soil, but by his grace and his mercy, all hearts are sown with his love. No soil, that is no person, is declared undeserving of his mercy. In the end, it is not about the quality of the dirt. It is about the quality of God. We, of course, want to see ourselves as the only worthy receivers of God's generosity, and we will even judge others as worthy or not. We love to see divisions between us and categorize those around us based on those divisions. But we ourselves know the beaten paths of life. We have all stumbled through the rocky patches of life. We have all been scratched cut, poked, and choked by the thorns of life. And for those that confess the name of Jesus Christ, you have also experienced the sacred soil of life that comes with being rooted deep in God's promises. The sacred soil that feeds us. The sacred soil that allows us to flourish with good root. The sacred soil that allows us to become the harvest of a hundredfold. This parable is really all about Jesus, God's promise that he planted in the world. It is about God and all of the amazingly extravagant and wasteful ways that he claims us as sinners as his own. And he sends his seeds of love and hope in his son, Jesus Christ, to proclaim to you today that no matter where you are or what you are burdened by, he is your hope. He is your joy. It is so easy for us to start to spin in these days of limited community and social interaction. And the devil will start to whisper in your ear. And I tell you, first of all, tell the devil to back off. We're social distancing. Because deep down in the soil of your soul, God has planted his promise in you. Through your baptism, he planted his promises and he watered it so that it would grow and it would flourish. God is this crazy farmer who is sowing the seeds of forgiveness and love in all kinds of places and ways, even in the most unlikely places and amongst the most unlikely people. God is this strange and wasteful farmer who nurtures his seed that is his promises wherever they fall, he waters them and fertilizes them with abundant grace. You see, God does not only cast seed on good soil where hearts are ready to receive it and along with it hope and peace, but God plants his seeds in the life of those rocked by hardness where his word is resisted. He plants his seed in weed-infested ground where hate and anger exist. He plants his seed in the life of those on sandy ground where people's hearts shift easily. And the most amazing thing is that some of these seeds take root in people's lives and the harvest is abundant. This this parable ends with a miracle. When Jesus talks about the hundredfold harvest, it is not because of our ability to do anything, but it is because of God's promises that the harvest is abundant.
This is a lesson filled with promise because it speaks of God's relentless love for you. No matter who you are, God sows his love and his promises even in the messiness of your life. He sends his son to get his hands dirty in your life and he takes your sin so that he can take your messiness, your sin to the cross and he bestows the harvest of the cross on you. And that is forgiveness. St. Paul reminds us today that there is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ because he has bestowed the harvest on you. This is pure promise and pure truth. And it is in this abundance, this amazing recklessness of God's love and mercy that you are called, you are called to share deeply and to connect with others And God will use you to wildly sow his seeds of forgiveness and grace and new life to many, many people. Thanks be to God. Amen.